Hello, everyone. This is Rick with the Cyber Pro Podcast, where industry leaders share their insights. It's about five questions in less than nine minutes, hopefully, because hackers never sleep. I'm excited today to have Todd Marks on. Todd, in a few sentences, tell us who you are and what you do. Thanks for having me, Rick. I am the uh, founder, president, and CEO of MindGrub Technologies. MindGrub is an agency and a consultancy. We make agile software and perform marketing on behalf of our clients in a number of industries, including cyber. You, you didn't want to add a fourth or fifth title to your, your, busy, <laughs> your busy life? Well, I did. I have several other businesses, um, but I'll just stick with the one. That's my biggest. Fair enough. So question number two, what's the best thing about being truly an entrepreneur in technology? Well, the nice thing about technology is it's, it's got a kind of an easier barrier to entry. So um, we work in a number of industries, MindGrub, the services-based organization, but where we want to enter into the government space or into utilities or in other industries, we can create a brand around our services and really grab market share without having any additional capital costs, right? It's really our existing service lines and a new brand and we're up and running in that industry. Whereas um, a lot of other industries, you know, you get into manufacturing, there's a lot of capital costs, right? And we just don't have that in tech. So it's a easier business to get into. Why technology other than the, the barrier? Why, why was that something you decided to focus on? Well, for me, I, I, I know we talked about uh, the woods just a minute ago, but um, I was a climbing and a kayaking instructor living in the woods and met my wife and started to have a family and I needed to support that family. And at the time I was a high school teacher in math and this was 98, 99 and technology was starting to heat up. And I thought, you know, I think there's something to that. So in 99 started my first company right at the turn of the century and um, now I'm on to my, you know, probably six or seven technology companies since then. See, that's the story that I know our, our network feed, loves to. Feed my kids. That's what got <laughs> me into it, I think. But yeah. I went to school for math and computer science. And um, I taught computer science in high school right at the beginning of that dot com. So, you know, my students got me really, you know, excited about technology. And I saw them, you know, pursuing, you know, careers. This was 98, 99. And right when the, when the dot-com happened, that was it for me. I thought I had enough experience and uh, I'd give it a go, but, you know, it would take a couple companies later before I had, you know, great success uh, because it wasn't just a little bit of experience. You needed my 10,000 hours. You know, um, I, I needed, I had the need. I was working in Chicago at the time I started MindGrub and ultimately I, I really jumped in a disruptive market. We started out making mobile applications, which is what put us on the map um, but prior to that, we were doing web application development. So, uh, you know, having the experience, having the need and, and then riding the right disruption is when finally the stars aligned for me. And I was able to grow MindGrub, a now you know, 200 person company all over the nation. Nice. And that's the story that I think our network wants to hear, right? Growing, growing that from where you came from to where you are today and crazy to think about turn of the century, but <laughs> it's, it is, it is Most what it is, right? About, about 2019 too. <laughs> right, right. Still feels like we're just continuing that year right now. And there hasn't been 14 months in between uh, the first lockdown, you know, crazy it's true. times. It's true. So question number three-ish, what insights do you want to share on how to create 
award-winning campaigns and or digital solutions for your clients? Yeah, so I'm a, a prodigious reader, but one of the books I like is A Hard Thing About Hard Things. And I think um, he paraphrases that it's, it's all about the products, the process, and the people. In our case, uh, MindGrub is mostly um, services business. We do have a couple uh, product companies in the family, but in the services business, we make sure we have really good services, whether it's our agile software development services, our marketing services. We make sure they are services the market needs. And then it's the process. So we are very process oriented, um, whether it's marketing automation and setting up your smart list and driving toward KPIs and results, or it's agile software development and doing the ceremonies and the scrums every day and retrospectives and backlog grooming. Um, you know, really that adherence to process makes for really good results. And then, and then ultimately, I think it should be first, but the people. We've made sure at MindGrub that we hire the best and brightest. We make sure we picked from amazing clients and we put great teams together. And with the right team, the right process, and ultimately the right product solution or service, uh, you get great results. Wonderful. Question number four, which is a good piggyback off of what you just said about people. What drives you to make people's lives easier? I, I think I love information exchange. You know, I'm always a student, always a teacher. And, you know, I would have loved to have continued to be a teacher, but, you know, today's high school setting, it's a lot of social work, it's a lot of discipline, and it's a little bit of teaching. Um, and I, but I just love that information exchange. And when the internet started to take off, I really saw that that was that platform, um, that really good platform for information exchange. So I started a first company with friends focused on online e-learning. And that then moved into doing web application development, then mobile came out, got into mobile. Now in our emerging tech group, we're into smart city initiatives, um, augmented virtual reality, internet of things. Um, and all of that is essentially to, to send information around. And then our focus as a business is along that convergence of man and machine. I'm a believer in singularity. And we wanna you know, unlock human potential as humans encounter technology and so it, it stems originally from just the desire to learn and teach to now moving into being a bit of a futurist and getting really excited about that convergence of man and machine and what's possible in the future. And so I just love making, you know, emerging software products and, and helping to market them. Before we get to the fun question, I'm going to ask a, a, a second fun question for you. What do you think is one of the most near-term yet coolest potential technologies that you're thinking might, might erupt here shortly? I, I think probably personal aircraft. Um, so, you know, you used to look at like flying cars and stuff. And the point was a car is that, you, you know, a person could just move themselves about pretty readily with a car. Um, so you talk about flying cars back in uh, probably the 60s and 70s. Well, you start to look at a couple technologies now that are pretty impressive. So drones, drones are really impressive now. Um, in Baltimore, we have a company that flew the first uh, organ transplant from um, University of Maryland called Mission Go and big commercial drones and they're able to fly um, organs and they're unmanned. 
right? But that same drone technology, you're now starting to see personal aircraft that are following that drone technology. And then they also have, um, you know, like Rocket Man, they have rocket packs. I think the, uh, the British military just did something this past week where they, they uh, passed a, a guy along um, several boats to get onto a cruiser um, with a rocket pack. So, you know, between rocket packs, but probably closer to drone technology without the combustibles, uh, I think people will end up having personal flying crafts here pretty soon, um, which will make the short-term commute really nice too. But I, I don't know how the, I think it's the FCC or uh, that regulates or what's the F, FAA or what that regulates the airspace. I don't know if they're going to be letting humans fly all over the place. We can't even get our drones. We have a couple of buildings in Baltimore and we have initiative to fly our computers back and forth so that we can keep our IT warehousing in one location. And then we have two offices in other places. And I wanted to be able to drone our computers and we're trying to figure that out because we can follow train tracks. You can go anywhere that you can have line of sight. And so there's some place we can go, but you can't cross over overhead of humans. Right. So that's kind of we have to cross two streets to go between the buildings. So we'll see how it's possible. But in the future, um, there there's going to be drones all over the place, just doing a lot of short term delivery. Cars are very inefficient. Right. I mean, there's you can only operate on a single plane, whereas drones, you can operate on a multitude of planes above you know, a city. So I think that's the technology that's going to be littering our skies pretty soon. Uh, but there's a bunch of them. I mean, just you look at like telehealth, telemedicine's huge this year. Um, <clears throat> commerce is absolutely exploding, you know, and these are these are things that are happening right now. Cyber, I've never seen more security products come out for cyber um, than in this past year and ever before. Uh, so, you know, it's a, we all know the turn of the century was a big revolution in um, technology, but I think the pandemic has also been one similarly. Totally agree. So we're going from cutting edge to the final question is what's your favorite piece of retro technology that makes you smile? I, it's actually one that I have to use. So we, we in um, West Virginia, we have um, a cabin now camp there, uh, but our cell phones don't work. We intentionally have it so we can go out there and cell phones don't work, but occasionally people need to reach us. So we got an old landline phone and we bought like an old school retro, like roto dial phone. And um, every so often somebody will call us and it's got that really old blaring ring and we all jump up, but we don't know what's happening. Um, you know, it's like that guy who actually has the retro analog ring in his pocket and you're so confused, but he whips out his cell phone, you know, it's just a sound. But when you really hear that ring, it's alarming because we haven't heard it since kids and our kids have no idea what it is. So they actually think it's like a fire alarm or something. They don't realize it's a phone. So uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun with uh, with that. But, you know, certainly, you know, old gaming systems are always a lot of fun and you see a lot of people, you know, bringing those back. We I'm very proud of our um, golden T98 that we just dropped in our office uh, with the old trackball. Um, we have a lot of fun with that. I can't, uh, I'll have to stop by and see you because Golden Tee was my game back in the day. So yes. I love it. Yes. Love the old trackball. So Todd, this was great. You did it. Epic having you on the Cyber Pro Podcast. Thank you so much and have a great day. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Rick. Cheers.